0: This is Boring Conversation Anyway, a Star Wars podcast. Brought to you by the guys at flyguy.net, dbsw.net, and youtube.com slash 229 Don't forget to check out darksidetoys.com, Marvel, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and more. Also sponsored by ChourenToys.com, all new and hard to find Lego.
1: Everything's under control. Situation normal.
2: We're all fine here. Now, thank you. How are you? Who is this? What's your operating number?
1: Boring conversation anyway.
2: Okay, this is Wit bringing you guys another episode of Boring Conversation Anyway. Uh, sadly Fly Guy and Sith Lord can't be with us tonight, but I brought on a couple of other Star Wars fans. Um and we're gonna have our own little holiday special here. Uh with us tonight we have Jason, aka Vintage Star Wars, on Instagram, and we have Bobby Sussman, aka Bobby Sussman on Instagram. And Yeah, uh, I was up all night
0: coming up with that name. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. All the uh you know, all the other Bobbies were taken. <laughs> <laughs> I I could.
2: Very original of you. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm still pretty new to the Instagram community. I mean, I, I, I remember signing up when, uh, or checking it out when Facebook bought it and wondering what all the hubbub was all about and realizing that I had already had an account from about a year previous that I had never used. Um, and so I think I started using it about Easter time and, you know, and shortly thereafter, Bumped into both of you guys, uh Jason. How long have you been on there? You you seem to have quite a following on there.
0: Oh, uh, I, I have been on for a while, but left you, I I picked it up and it's that forever. You know, you pick. I you you're looking for like a picture app or something like that, and and I found it. And I thought, hey, this little cool thing that you can put filters on, and so I took a couple pictures with it, and then it sat for months and months and months. Um, but then. I don't know, then I just started uh toying around with it and taking Star Wars pictures. And right about the time, actually, I started to uh, get back into recollecting the, the vintage line, the original vintage line, I should say, the, mm-hmm. the old school stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started uh, taking pictures of that and just thought it would be kind of fun to exclusively take vintage Star Wars pictures of my vintage Star Wars collection. And so I started doing that, but then obviously it turns into so much more. It's, it's such a, a social app more so than just taking pictures.
2: And, yeah, it really uh, is.
0: Then from there, it, yeah, just, I don't know, it started to grow. I started to get a lot of followers and, um, I don't know, there's a lot of Star Wars people on there, but I don't know what sets me apart from other Star Wars people. I guess just, uh, that my vision of Star Wars agrees with a lot of people, I guess. <laughs> Not sure.
2: Yeah, it seems that way. What about you, Bobby? How long have you been on there?
0: I started in, uh, what was it, May 2011, if I remember my last, uh, statigram. I always love going to that, uh, website every couple of months and get disappointed on what my stats are. <laughs> <laughs> good, yeah. way, good way to keep things in proportion, huh?
3: Yeah, it keeps you honest.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just started casually along it as well, and I, I think what it was is that it was just another social network that, you know, I was exploring, and I was trying to see what my voice was going to be on it, and it's interesting how, you know, my Facebook has become my uh old high school-based friends, and Twitter seems to be my... uh well, it seems to be all my democratic friends. Now I think about it from the election. <laughs> all the Republicans were on Facebook and all the Democrats were on, uh, were on Twitter in my life. But, uh, yeah, it started as something, something that I was just exploring. And eventually I started bringing my toy collection into a, uh, a daily photograph. Mm-hmm. And from there it just continued to evolve from, from that point.
2: Yeah, that's definitely the way I kind of felt about it. You know, I, to me, it like you guys said, it was just another social network that seemed fun. You know, I like pictures. Uh, I'm a graphic designer. I think you are as well, aren't you, Jason? I am. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Bobby? What are you? What, are you a creative of sorts in ways too, or are you more of a techie guy?
0: I I work for a certain fruit-based company. <laughs> a fruit-based. A fruit-based company. A fruit-based
2: tech company.
0: uh you, you don't want to try to eat the product.
2: <laughs> Some of them are small enough that you could swallow them, I guess, though. Yes, absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. it's certainly a story for the emergency room doctor. <laughs> <laughs> what I pulled out of this guy. Oh my god. <laughs> do I get to keep it? No. But, uh, no, they I don't. actually, yeah. uh, I actually teach for this, uh, this, uh, said company. Oh, okay. I teach, uh, teach software. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So nothing, okay. uh, nothing that I'm doing on Instagram has anything to do with my, my career. That's, I think what's interesting about it.
2: Yeah, that's that. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't post much design stuff. I have bumped into a few other designers and illustrators, uh, on there, but that's, I've definitely sort of found my niche in the toy photography and have really, really enjoyed finding that. That's something I've always kind of wanted to do. And, uh, it's nice to finally find like-minded people that are supportive and encouraging and, and that whole sort of thing. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for quite a while. As a hobby, and you know friends and my ex wife and everybody would just sort of roll their eyes and sort of pat me on the head, oh yeah that's nice, that's nice and uh you know now it's you know I actually have fans and supporters and people I can get criticism from and it's it it's a lot of fun
0: and and actually, something that you said, I wanted to go ahead and do a little follow up because mm-hmm. I can kind of say my direct family is occasionally supportive on on <laughs> The subject, so I want to ask Jason if, uh, how his family feels about this. Uh, it's funny because it's true. Uh, um, well, I, I have, uh, a six-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son, and I don't know how, how but they have fallen in love with Star Wars. Hmm. Uh, they, they absolutely love Star Wars. My wife, uh, I her, God bless her heart, she tolerates Star Wars. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, she supports me. She supports me, and uh, and the kids love it, so it's just a fun, fun pastime, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: My nephews are, I have uh 10 and 7, or 11 and 8, I can never remember, but uh, they're at the age where they're, they like it when I'm around, but I, I think they get a little burnt out on it when I'm around, and they always, uh, every time they come over, they always want to play with everything, but mm-hmm. mine, mine are toys, but at the same time, they're mm-hmm. also, you know, they're they're actors in these scripts that I'm writing and all of this right. and, and they don't respect them and they lose weapons and, you know, the starships are sticky after they get done playing with them. So they're, yeah. it's very supervised when they come and play with them. And I think they get a little disgruntled about that sort of thing.
0: Well, like I said, I I started collect, uh, recollecting the vintage stuff. Cause I know I'm sure like so many people in the world, I had a ton of it when I was a kid and then you went through a phase where you get rid of it. Yeah. But uh, I, I started recollecting the vintage stuff and, and my kids started getting interested in it and then I'm like, Well, I don't really want you guys to play with this stuff, so uh let me go out and I you know, I found some 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 of the newer figures and stuff that I let like, the kids do with and play with. So mm-hmm. they get sort in something that way and then hopefully the uh yeah. the older stuff can stay in the, the happiest condition that it is. <laughs> now my, you, my my vintage collection, they came from uh I think that was everyone in my neighborhood was just kind of like, "Hey, you know what? I'm done with this. Here, why don't you hold on to this?" So I tend to have like three classic Darth Vaders, and three vintage Bespin Lukes because of the hand me down in the neighborhood. So I guess I'm fortunate. I actually have the uh, the toys that were in my childhood. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I should say the figures. There was uh there was the summer of the great eBaying. You know, <laughs> were you were buying or were you were just getting I was, rid of I'm selling i had half a slave One, and you know a canopy less uh twin pod cloud car mm-hmm. uh my one of my childhood friends mikey gave me his uh gave me his uh millennium falcon which we had custom painted Ooh. and had taken into the pool so uh <laughs> somebody luckily bought those on ebay for the parts that they were and, I'm sure they're living a great life someplace, but... uh,
2: I may have that cloud car. I bought a cloud car with no bubbles on it off of eBay and then bought bubbles later. The bubbles were actually more expensive than the... Or the canopies were more expensive than the cloud car itself.
0: uh, My mom gave me my cloud car for my 10th birthday. Mm -hmm. She just thought I had too many spaceships, so she wanted to get me a car.
2: (laughs) That works. Yeah. Okay. Like you said with the hand-me-downs, though, it is kind of nice being the Star Wars guy in a group, because when people come across stuff that they're cleaning out, they're like, oh, you like the Star Wars toys. I know they'll go to a good home, and I've ended up with quite a few toys in that way.
0: Yeah, actually, uh, I think it's the miniature Millennium Falcons that I'm using in my shot were from a uh, co-worker. hmm just he's been paying for a storage bin for years. That's just containing all of his collectibles. He's just like, you know what? I, I can't do anything with these anymore. So, here you go. Here's a bunch of unopened episode one figures. <laughs> have to tell you, <laughs> I actually I don't think they even have the same value anymore. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so I got a jar jar up. If interested. In just...
2: No, can't say that I am. I uh... might
0: have one or two of those ones.
2: Um, let's take a break from the toys here for a second. Let's, uh, let's dive into it a a little bit about what you guys are doing here. Let's, uh, you want to go ahead and start, Jason? You want to talk about what you've got going these days?
0: Uh, sure. Um, well, I've, uh, I recently met a a young man, um, his name is Zachary. He is, uh, he's an elite young man, he's the only young man in the world with Uh, the specific disease that he has Um, it's currently an an incurable disease it's a form of hypoparathyroidism if you google that his name is at the top of the list that comes up Um, uh, just working at my working at the place I work at doing my design work I was doing some design work for his mother who was a small business and we were sitting at my desk and Talking about the, the project we were working on, and of course, my Star Wars dream saver pops up. Hmm. And, uh, she just happens to say, oh, my son, my son just loves Star Wars so much. And, and of course, you hear that sometimes, and you're just like, oh great, man. that's awesome. Man. Star Wars is, is cool. Um, but then I, I found out later that, uh, he was really sick. And, uh, and as soon as I found out that he was sick, um, and knowing that he loves Star Wars, um, it just immediately hit me. Like, this kid's not just a kid anymore. He's born of my family. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the unique things about Star Wars is, uh, it's more than just fandom and how it really brings people together and really, you know, makes, makes your family more than just acquaintances. Like, I, I just met you guys tonight and you guys are already like family, right? <laughs> it is a real bonding experience. And yeah, so as, as soon as I, I found out that he was sick, I, I just immediately wanted to know more about it. Um, I had actually recently watched uh, Fanboys, and I don't know if you have seen Fanboys, but in Fanboys, one of the, the themes in it is ta- is, talks about finding your Death Star, you know, finding the thing in your life that you might give it meaning or might give it, uh you know, something to, to strive towards to accomplish something big. and just this happening so close to that it just wasn't coincidence and I thought well maybe you know if I if I can't find my own death star maybe if I can find a death star that's you know orbiting around someone else that would help destroying this death star maybe I can help them out uh so I went and talked to his mother and she just completely unloaded on me like all the, the issues she's got with it um she she said that it because of the nature of I it, mean, a lot of people don't like to talk about it, and you know, they think it might be a little taboo of a subject. But she was just very open and forthcoming, and she was really appreciated actually, that I took the time to find out about it. Um, so when I found out about it, I, I, immediately said, "I want to help. I want to do what I can. I'm not, I'm not a person of great means, um, but I have, <laughs> at the time, I've got what." 3,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I can do with that, but I, I think I can do something. Let me see what I can do. I want to, you know, do something. So, uh, it really just started out kind of, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try. Um, so, I took the information that, that she gave me, um, which is essentially, he's a 10-year-old boy who's got this uh, disease. His Parathyroids do not produce parathyroid hormone, which is something that your body needs to, uh, in his case, is to distribute calcium. Uh, when I take in calcium, uh, my body knows where it needs to go; it sends it to my hair, my teeth, my bones, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When he takes in calcium, uh, his body just basically sporadically shoots it out everywhere into his body. Uh, before he was actually diagnosed. He was only diagnosed at age seven. Uh, he spent a, a, a really, really rough seven years uh, basically in the hospital at all times. So, this is uh, something he's had since birth then? He was, yeah, he was born with it. Uh-huh. Uh, that's one of the things that makes it really unique is that it was a genetic defect uh-huh. and that he was born with it and it didn't, didn't acquire it in any way that they know how and it's not genetic. His parents are clean from this thing. And they're not any type of carrier. It just completely genetic mutation just randomly popped up in his uh, gene. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so for the first seven years of his life, he was just essentially hospital bound. He was in and out of comas all the time. Uh, he was constantly getting like kidney stones because the calcium was just like flooding through his body and collecting in his kidneys things like that. No, oh, that's not cool. I,
2: I've had a lot of friends who have had kidney stone issues and
3: Yeah, but not cool.
0: And for a a, a boy that's you know that's part of his life, that's that's so
3: Yeah.
0: Um and so actually at one point he was in a he was in a coma and they were the doctors just had no idea what to do. They were just completely at a loss. Um they had done all sorts of tests, this and that and Mm -hmm. nothing was working. Um until one doctor said, "Well, hey, let me try this one thing. I've heard, I've heard this could be a sign that could lead us into a, a certain depression. Um, so he actually, and I can't remember what they call it, like a, a tap test or something. While he was in the coma, he basically went up and just tapped on his the temples of his head, mm-hmm. and, and it immediately triggered a seizure, um, which of course sent the hospital and the, you know, all the bells and whistles sent off, and everyone went scrambling. Um but it, it told the doctor to check for his calcium levels, and so they checked for his calcium levels, and I don't remember the specific numbers, but his calcium levels were incredibly low, and actually the the lowest that had ever been seen uh, without the person dying. Uh, the other lowest uh, calcium level was in this young girl that had something similar, and she unfortunately died and he managed to fight through it and make it through. But because they found that out, they started to get calcium, they started, you know, it led them into the right direction of how they can possibly start to treat him.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So, you have to take a synthetic uh, synthetic hormone, a synthetic parathyroid hormone, which he has to inject. He requires two shots a day Uh, at little. Parathyroid hormone comes in these really small vials, which is worth about, uh, It it's about five shots out of it. So a little vial lasts for about two and a half days. And those vials are $280 a piece. Um, they're not cheap at all. So yeah, that's insane. Uh, just those injections it, it's in the neighborhood of like $40,000 a year that, uh, he just requires to just to maintain. Um, and he's got a, a pile of, I think it like nine or di- ten different pills that he has to take every day, and it's basically the treatment and medication that he has to ingest and go through every year is in the neighborhood of eighty dollars to $100,000 a year, uh, which up to this point, um, from age seven when they diagnosed to now, uh, the U.S. government has been taken care of because they've been studying him at the National Institute of Health in Maryland, mm-hmm. which is actually the same hospital that the the president goes to. Anyway, they have been wanting to study him to research it further, and so they've been paying the bill for that whole thing. Um, but unfortunately, I just found this out last week: um, budget cuts, re- recession, blah blah blah, all that good stuff. They've decided to cut funding to the the PTH parathyroid hormone and uh, Zach was at the top of the list for the people to get cut, so unfortunately he is not being covered anymore. Uh,
2: Cause they were doing this more as like a research than, than a charity for him,
0: it sounds like. They were doing it for the research to try to find out more about it. Got it. Um, but basically, research is cut. so in turn. Yeah. It, <clears throat> um. so when they, when they defend cutting, they give him a month of of the PTH to uh, to have had had already had about six months in reserve, so they have about six to seven months of PTH left over, um, but they're going to need some funding in a major way. Um, so that's where you've been coming in now, right? Well, that's where I come in. That's where I kind of came in blinded just saying I want to do something. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I want to do something. So after finding all this out. um and, and seeing how, uh, kind of the Instagram contest were working, you know, there was a lot of uh, people offering up a little prize and people getting all excited about it. Um, I thought, well, hey, maybe I can do something like that and, uh, you know, get a monetary return on it and donate all the money that I get to Zach and his family. But it's got to be something cool. It's gotta be something. <clears throat> want and those Star Wars fans I know there's a lot of people out there that really love Star Wars arts i mm-hmm. are uh, fortunate to live in the same town as this amazing Star Wars artist Robert Bailey um, and I saw him at a at a local convention and I just mentioned to him hey can I get together with you sometime and talk about this charity thing I do I'm doing it. and he immediately said yes let's let's do it let's get together here's my card give me a call oh cool so i I called him up. And we talked for about 10 minutes, and he invited me to his house. And I got to go into the studio and see all this amazing artwork that he's done. Um, And talked for about another 45 minutes, kind of gave him this whole story. And I just asked him, hey, is there a drawing or a print, anything Star related that you can donate to this project? And he said, well, let me give you about $2,000 worth of stuff. <laughs> wow. I was just immediately blown away. because you know, starting from, I don't know what I'm going to do to having exactly $2,000 worth of his art. So, mm-hmm. you know? well, he ended up giving me about $2,400. And I was like, well, okay, wow, this is, this is great. And I think I'm moving forward with this. Um, so just through the magic of the internet, the magic, the magic of the, the social networking that is Instagram, um, I was able to contact Star Wars artist Robert Hendrickson and he's Really been interested and in donating a lot of new prints. One, one of which is actually closing on a speed for about two hundred dollars.
2: Um, I saw that it was a little rich for my blood. It's a really awesome print of the bounty hunters, and I there was a part of me that wanted to get in there and just bid on it, hoping that I would get outbid to try and just raise it up a little bit more. But then I would get stuck with a bill that I can't afford if I had done that, so I didn't.
0: Yeah. He actually sent me two of those. Uh-huh. So- there will be another one coming up on eBay. Um, I was able to contact, uh, Kyle Newman, who's the director of Fanboys. And he's offered up a bunch of, uh, or several copies anyway of Fanboys in Blu-ray and in DVD, uh, signed copy that he's going to sign. And <coughs> wife, Jamie King, is also going to sign. Um, uh, he's got some t-shirts and some bumper stickers and stuff that he's going to put in with it. So that's pretty exciting.
2: That's cool. It's very appropriate with you know your whole wanting to destroy a Death Star inspiration from the project and all.
0: Yeah, definitely, and, and, and that was one of the reasons that I, I saw him out specifically because of that. Mm-hmm. Another guy, uh, Shane Turzon. He is—he's actually the author of a book called "The Force in the Flesh," which is uh, a collection of images of people's Star Wars tattoos is interesting. Oh okay, I yeah, I know of that book. And he actually was here in Edmonton as well. And uh which I didn't really realize until, you know, I started looking into things. Mm-hmm. And I contacted him and it's just really it's been a really high rate of the people that I've been contacting, I you know, I talked to him for five minutes and immediately, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Yeah. And that's been, um the main response that I've got. You know, what can I do to help? So Shane offered up, uh, two of his books. He signed them. Uh, he offered up season three of the Clone Wars on Blu-ray, which is on eBay right now as well. Um, he offered up a 1977 Marvel Star Wars number one comic book that's in pretty good condition. That oh, was very he, cool. <laughs> Yeah, that one goes on eBay. Um, I've about, uh, Adam Hayes from Red Rocket Tattoo? He's a pretty famous Star Wars artist in his own right. And, uh, or tattoo artist, I should say, but he's done some amazing Star Wars art and donated some prints to the cause. Uh, Joshua Smith, uh, he's a Star Wars artist and he's donated some stuff and it's just, it seems like one step after another, just, I just, mean, I'm accumulating all of these great artists and great people that are wanting to help out with the cause. And, you know, of course advertising and everything on Instagram and through my blog, I've had uh, a lot of people just send straight donations, just doing what they can, you know, and if you can send a dollar, that's great. Um, (laughs) I welcome a dollar with open arms because that's just one more dollar that we didn't have before, right? Yeah, exactly. So that, um, couple guys on Instagram, uh Jaster Strikes Back. He's a guy that has a pretty dedicated following. He's been really helpful in uh helping to get the word out and helping uh, bring attention to it. He's also donated um a hoodie of some of the designs that he's come up with that's going to be auctioned off. Mm-hmm. Jaster's um, a funny guy. He's one of those guys
2: if you saw him on the street you'd almost be scared of him but then you, you as soon as you interact with him, he's the nicest guy in the whole world.
0: Um, just don't try to spam him. <laughs> yeah,
2: man, I can imagine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, UberTwig on on Instagram. He's been really helpful. He actually uh, came up with the the Zach X-wing destroying the Death Star logo. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just got a hold of him. asked him what he could do to help, and he was, he was willing to do that. So it just seems like at every turn. So many people are, are willing to help out and uh you yourself you, putting it on uh, your blog and having me on this podcast. I'm, I'm really appreciative to be on here and to be able to to talk about everything.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I'm more than happy to help. I mean, I, I'm i a very broke guy these days, but I do have a little bit of an audience. And if I can help get the word out, I'm more than
0: happy to. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, that's the whole chunk of it. Like, like you said, you're a broke guy. I'm a, I'm a broke guy. I don't have a lot of money to give but what I can give is my time and my passion mm-hmm. and I think if I can if I can rally people or if I can get people involved and whatever that person can give if that person can't afford to give time but can afford to you know throw $20 our way or to go on eBay and bid off on this art mm-hmm. that's exactly what we need is just people to do what they can and I think the more and more people that we get on board with this you know, the, the closer to, I, I think my personal goal, I would love to be able to supply them with a year's worth of their medicine and treatment. And we're kind far of from that right now, but, uh, um, the more people that we get involved, I think the closer we are to, you know, that possibly becoming a reality. Mm-hmm. George Lucas is listening right now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. We don't usually say anything bad about him, but I, I doubt if he's on the line.
0: <laughs> Cause I heard he came into some money recently.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he is a very uh, charitable fellow though. Uh, I mean, people always give him flack for not, or, you know, for keeping it all and being Mr. Moneybags, but that's really not the case. Most of it goes
0: to his Edutopia Farrington Foundation. Yeah, that's what I heard of the, uh, of the cash that was came across in the Disney deal, I heard that he was giving a hundred percent of it to his charity. Mhm. <laughs> that's quite a bit of money. Yeah.
2: Um well back to you. So so Trench Run Rebels is the name of your your organization that you have going these days. And uh and so people can find that at trenchrun run, trench run rebels dot blogspot dot com.
0: And yeah, uh, That's right. Uh trench run rebels dot blogspot dot com. Um that would be I guess if you're just on the, Instagram, that would be the best place to check in at. Uh, if you do have access to Instagram, that's going to be the most current and up to date. I try my best to keep the blog up to date, um, but I'm not always that great with that. But I'm I am constantly posting on Instagram and letting people know uh, when and where the auctions are going up. Uh, when I do put up an auction, I do put up links to it at my blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go to com and have direct links to anything that is currently up for auction.
2: Yeah. And I saw on there too, you've also got the, the PayPal donate button is conveniently located up in the right hand corner of the site there.
0: That's right. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I have had people, uh, just do some straight up donation mm-hmm. and, uh, that, um, anything that you can spare it's great.
2: And you also have a store? I've been seeing people on Instagram with t-shirts.
0: Yeah, if you go to society6.com backslash trench run rebels, uh-huh. uh, you can, uh, purchase t-shirts through there. Uh, all the money, <clears throat> in those t-shirts is going, uh, just getting thrown into Kitty and being donated to Zach and his family. Uh, uh-huh. so the, uh, the t-shirts, t-shirt designs I have up there are the, uh, X-Wing, Zach X-Wing going up the Death Star that was made by Uber Twig. Mm-hmm. And also the uh, Trench Run Rebels logo that I designed myself. It's uh, very reminiscent of the uh, targeting computer on Luke's X-Wing as he's flying down the Trench Run.
2: Yeah, it's a very cool graphic.
1: <clears throat>
2: yeah, I'd seen one. Uh, Boba Fetish or whatever her name is. She was wearing a red one the other day, and I'm not normally a fan of red t-shirts, but it looks really good. That graphic looks great on that, on a red t-shirt. Yeah, that
0: was, uh, yeah, it looks really, it looks really sharp. I'm really happy to see people, uh, buying the t-shirt and, and wearing it.
2: So on the, on the site, Trentron Rebels, uh, are there links for the store
0: there? Let me run through actually some of the links I've got here just to give some guys some shout-outs and some props. Yeah, please do. Uh, Robert Bailey, Star Wars artist www.baileyprince.com Check his stuff out. He's got some amazing, amazing uh, pencil sketches that he does. I don't know if you guys have seen some of the ones that have gone through auction. Uh, it's great stuff. The Han Solo one you had originally, What was one of his, right? Yes. Cool. The Solo, the, there was a slave layer and a uh, Yoda writing Luke's back. Hmm. Um, Hendrickson? Cool. Uh, who is the artist behind the poster we were just talking about, this Empire Strikes Back poster? Um net. Great stuff over there. We'll have a look. Amazing work. Uh Jim Turgeon, author of The Fourth Flesh. shit of dot com. Kyle Newman. Um doesn't really have a
2: uh, he he yeah. doesn't. I tried to link to him recently. I ended up linking to his IMDb page. He is on Tumblr, or not Tumblr, I'm sorry, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and I think it's just Kyle Newman
0: on there. Kyle underscore Newman, I do believe. Uh, but if you want to support him, go to StarWars.com and download Smuggler's Gambit, which is a, a radio drama he just produced and directed. Um, it's really I mean, good. It's really, yeah. really good. It's amazing. <clears throat> he did a great job on that. Um, At Hayes, go to RedRocketTattoo.com. Joshua Smith, go to Hydro74.com. Just want to contact me directly. Um, If you've got ideas of something you can help out with, if you'd like to donate something, um, you can contact me at TrenchRunRebels at gmail.com. I've got people contacting me right now. I actually just had someone contact me yesterday. I haven't had a chance to get back to him, but he's got some really neat. And some really great things lined up, so I'm excited to dive into that. All the money's getting funneled into an account that's going to Zach and, and his family to help out with their extreme, extreme bills that they have here pretty quick.
2: Yeah, he seems like a cool kid, too. Those pictures you posted of him a little while ago when you gave him an R2 and the t shirt and things, and I thought it was funny your comment about he seemed much more interested in the R2 than he was with the t shirt.
0: I was, as soon as I, gave him the t-shirt and he was happy to put it on. But as soon as I pulled out the R2 of course, he rips it open and starts playing with it. <laughs> uh, I what doing with the R2 that I didn't realize it did. It has this little retractable claw on a string that when you twist his it head, it, it pulls back into his body. So huh well it did, but as soon as he ripped the thing open, I knew exactly what to do. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> transferables.blogspot.com. I've got a link to uh, CTV Edmonton News did a a story on Zach and his family, and there's a link there to the video that they did, and it kind of gives a little bit better understanding of uh, what kind of kid Zach is. He's a cute kid. um, I mean, they briefly touch on Star Wars, but you can see that he's playing with some Star Wars, and even. Quotes a little Star Wars in the in there. It's pretty cute.
2: (laughs) Nice. Um. Yeah, and you were you. Yeah, and all of this uh, is also you know very similar story on the latest Forcecast, which I just got done recently or listening to. Yeah, and that was that was that was pretty good. You shared some funny stories on there as
0: well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Chance to go on to the Forcecast. I know they have a a lot of listeners, and uh, you know hopefully. Hopefully the word we can get out. Hopefully people can hear it, you know, get on their podcast, get on your podcast, see if I can get on as many podcasts as possible. And um, that's actually something that Tanis uh, who's Zach's mom, actually something that she told me that uh, every improvement in, in Zach's life to this point is because one more person heard that hadn't heard this story before, um, specific to uh, the doctors. You know, there were all the doctors. They were doing this. They didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. One person heard about it, said, "Hey, that sounds something like this." And then another person heard about it, "Hey, you guys should try this." "Hey, you should get in contact with this person." And more people hear about it, more people find out about it. The better treatment that he can give, and specifically for for what I'm trying to do, more people that can hear about it. You know, hopefully we can we can get some more support behind this and and take care of our Our little Star Wars buddy, Jack.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it really is.
0: It's I I think
2: your tagline on your site says something about Star Wars families helping other Star Wars families, and it you know that that type of mentality is very very true. It's just you know it's amazing the amount of just friendship and support I've bumped into just in the Instagram Star Wars community alone, and meeting people at when I went to celebrations last summer. I mean, Star Wars people are just some of the coolest people in the whole world. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, um, well, speaking of Instagram and Star Wars and things, uh, Bobby, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about what what the heck you've got going on? You've got quite a project going this past year now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I can't believe we're actually coming up on the one year anniversary of it. It seems just like yesterday. Uh, but uh, at a certain point last year, I came across uh, came across a Christmas present. Good old Han with his, uh, with his Tauntaun. I was thrilled that I got him and, uh, I set up a little comparative vintage shot of him next to my, uh, next to my original Tauntaun. Missing saddle and reins and everything. So, hmm. very sad actually now I think of it. And then my Power of the Force 2. I think that's what it was, mm-hmm. but uh, the only other one we have the Taunt So I set up this nice little three-shot with it. And later on, I also got myself the uh, the uh, Rebel Transport. And oh, you, yeah. you know what the Rebel Transport was? Yeah, that's a cool ship. That's
2: one that I would love to get my hands on. I still haven't Ah,
0: yet. I wish that was it. This Rebel Transport is actually the little yellow bus that they drive around in the Yavin hangar.
2: Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Talk about <clears throat> misnaming it. Rebel Transport. I'm like, oh no, it's the big oval ship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd gotten that, and I'd also kind of at the same time, I'd set up a little Yavin hanger to be able to show it. And all of a sudden, I was like, well, hang on. Let me get my Falcon out. Let me get the, uh, the snow, uh, snow speeder. I can go ahead and do myself a little, uh, little hot hanger there. And I started doing that. Next thing leads to another. I'm like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's have Han and Leia have their fight. Okay, there we go. How about Han finds Luke? Oh, great. Well, now that Luke's found, now we've got to have him in my Bokta tank. Let me go get that out. (laughs) I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. So I kind of snowballed myself into just. Casually grabbing the figures I had around and just posing them on shelves into uh, what became a full-fledged assembling of sets and recreating the movie shot by shot.
1: Yeah, I
2: got into it. I think I started following you when they were in the asteroid field, and uh, and you were staging. You know, I think there was a black tapestry with a bunch of rocks piled up and little. They were micro, I don't know if they were micro machines or what set of miniatures you had, but. I was just blown away by this and then I realized what was actually happening when each morning there was a new picture in the feed. And uh I was really blown away when I when I got when you got to Cloud City. Uh I really enjoyed the way you were doing the smoke effects with the
0: cotton and all of that. It it's amazing what you can do with a uh a dead pillow in your garage. Is that where you do all of this? Is in your garage? I uh I had a uh I had a set up some place where I could try to uh build all of this because it was quite a uh, cluster mess just kind of being set up inside the house and you know it, it was good to be able to get out there and now that I kind of had my own workspace for it that's kind of when I was able to say all right let's let's make what would be a, a 50 foot long if the characters were to scale cloud city corridor for, mm-hmm. for sort of uh sort of given my own space allowed me to get out of hand with it but i, I couldn't imagine uh because All the stuff of the, uh, the asteroid field and Dagobah. A lot of that I was faking. Thank you for using the word tapestry. That made it sound very romantic. Uh, they were towels. I had <laughs> space with a black towel. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I had a brown towel that could serve as both Dagobah and the inside of the slug's mouth. So I'm like, there we go. Two for one. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: I found that with toy photography it it forces you to be very creative, uh, especially if you're working under a budget, which
0: personally I am but when i uh, when I got the cloud city, a series of uh foam board pieces and then uh using the uh Apple program pages to actually uh build out the corridor sets on uh cardstock.
2: oh, you're not even using Photoshop or
0: anything. That's the thing. Even for I wasn't avoiding Photoshop uh-huh. for any of those. It just turned out that that was just the easier program for me to go into. I even had to reach into Illustrator for building this, and I'm, it's it's very simple in the designs. And uh, I found myself using a lot of the tricks but now that I've gone back and I've watched the film from a uh, set builder standpoint. Uh-huh keep seeing them run through the same intersection dozens of times and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah,
2: I can see that, yeah. The the veil has been lifted a little bit
0: for you. So a little bit of that is, is me going in there as well. So the same principle that my character has been running down the same hallway for, for months now.
2: <laughs> what uh what's been the most or what's been the hardest set for you
0: for you to construct so far? I I, I think the uh I think the hardest set Really is when we start getting into like uh the carbon freezing chamber i mean that was that was a little bit of a uh that was a little bit of an adventure that i was uh physically afraid to make uh, i'd come across a uh, i'd come across a filter a uh black collection filter for uh putting underneath your car for collecting oil mm-hmm. and I take a look at this I'm like oh. Okay, well, there's my base for the, uh, for the carbon chamber. I just need to go ahead and put the up and so forth on it. So I started initial construction on it and then got terrified at my endeavor. So I'd actually let it sit there for like a month or so. And then the shots were quickly approaching for, uh, <laughs> in play. So all of a sudden it was the, okay, let's, let's very quickly build this. So uh I, I went ahead and I was able to complete it and I uh I was very pleased with the uh the outcome for the carbon trees chamber. Oh, it came out really good. And you got the dual benefit of using it not only for that project, but also for your scene for Empire Uncut too. Yes, yes that was that was a great thing. I'd received a uh I received an Instagram uh message that Empire Uncut was uh was essentially casting.
2: Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that was myself,
0: or it could have been somebody else. But I, I immediately thought of you when I,
2: because I, I had done four scenes for the original Star Wars Uncut, and then when I was at Celebration, I got to meet Casey, the the guy who started it all, and actually won an Emmy for the first one, um, and got to talk with him. And he said, "Well, I just want to let you know that we're doing Empire Uncut. I'm announcing it this weekend," and so I was frantic because suddenly I, the scenes for Star Wars Uncut got swapped up within the first weekend, and I just happened to be real on the internet at the time, and these days I'm not so much, and I remember coming home from Celebration that night and on my iPhone, frantically trying to figure out how I can log in and claim scenes uh, from my iPhone, um, which was a little tricky, but I knew you were getting close to Cloud City and you were basically doing the same thing, you just needed to put them into motion, so it was when I shot a message off to you saying you should really check
0: this out. So I'm I'm in Las Vegas, in a private gazebo. Gazebo, yeah, that's the correct word. Private gazebo at one of the resorts. Your message comes through, and I'm frantically on my iPhone with a weak signal, also trying to go ahead, and <laughs> <laughs> using myself for my family. Who are like, where where are you going now? What's going on? So I'm trying to get closer to the transmitter so I can go ahead and try to grab something and. Mm-hmm scene first i uh I grabbed a scene with the falcon approaching uh cloud city the, Ooh, that's ambitious that would have been an interesting thing I was really kind of uh I was kind of curious to be able to go back and maybe later on as I think some of the first people, uh, bailed uh perfect scene came up and I'm like here's here's my chance to do it so my first, uh, my first and only attempt with at stop motion <laughs>
2: <laughs> not something you're going into the business of
0: God, I don't have the patience for
2: that. Yeah, it reminds me of when I used to want to be a comic book illustrator, and until I did my first comic book and went holy crap, sequential artwork is a bitch, you know, I'm much happier doing one shots and things, you know, sort of versus doing, you know, toy photography, doing toy animation, and I enjoy doing it, I've done I was looking at all the clips, all the stop motion I've done, and I've got about three minutes worth of animation total that I've done now and my friend is really bugging me he wants me to do more and he wants me to do green screen stuff so that he can build 3D sets that we can superimpose them on. Um, and I enjoy the the encouragement, but at the same time, I,
0: I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, but... Uh, if you can find it within your heart to have that level of patience, then that that's incredible for you. Yeah. Uh, I know, personally, I'm just too klutzy. I'm going to... I can't tell... I, actually, you can play back the footage. You can see how many times the set has slightly shifted due to a uh, size 13 foot bumping into the table or something. Oh,
2: there's nothing yeah, I've got same size feet and have done that exact same thing many times, or you bump a light, or the the hardest thing I've learned is that battery operated lights are not a good thing Uh, because I did, my second scene that I did for this one was the Han hopping on his tauntaun and screaming, you know, I'll see you in hell Um, and there's a light in the background that as you watch during the the seven seconds of that part of the clip, you can slowly watch the light dimming.
0: People would have paid for that effect. And look at that.
2: Oh, it does. I mean, if you, if you watch it, it's this nice, gradual dim. uh, But I mean, you know, I had to shoot both of my scenes in the middle of the night because I have too many windows in my place. And just the, when you're doing something, I mean, 15 seconds, you know, takes me a good six to eight hours to shoot. And the sun moves quite a bit, causing shadows to be completely different from when the time you start to when you finish. And so it's, it's better to work in, in the darkness. I, uh, uh the tagline I came up for myself as an animator is I, uh, I work in darkness to control the light.
0: <laughs> uh, it could be a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: um, so when, when do you expect you'll have this thing finished? Cause I know you're, you're just about up to the, uh, the big reveal, uh, of Darth Vader.
0: Coming up here pretty soon. I'm very anxious to uh, to reveal that set to you all. Uh, also, I'm very anxious to actually photograph those scenes. Because I have not yet done them. Uh-huh. Um, I, I have, uh, for example, all the Cloud City corridor work was done months ago. Oh, okay. And even the scenes right now where you've got... Because um, right now we're up to the point where they're escaping in the Falcon. Yeah, I think what, either today
2: or yesterday, was when R2, you know, smoke-bombed everybody so they could run out the door.
0: What right. Extinguisher was so powerful. I mean, the, they over <laughs> overpowering him up in these prequels where he's got to have jetpacks. And, <laughs> and it was a Fox Extinguisher and some, some bad... But what what I enjoy is that there's such a mixture. If you take a look at these shots of them running across the platform,
3: mm-hmm.
0: long ago I hadn't even gotten my Lando or uh or Leah at that point. So I think that's like Power of the Force too. Take a look at the Lando, he's got like a serious Dracula uh collar the thing popping up. And- <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's been fun to watch
0: your progress. I mean, I remember you frantically trying to find
2: a C three PO so that you can do the one legged scene coming up, and, uh,
0: and. it kills me because I, I also I got the Lando with uh, when he stole Han's clothes at the end of Empire, and, you know he's going to be in he's going to be in one scene, but you know here's this vested Han, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, well, I'm, what's up? so I could have just get on my Han.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I do creative customs like that for occasional photos, but I like to have I like to have the whole cast available. I mean I you know, like you guys said, you have these old Jar Jars and I, I just bought my first Jar Jar this summer when they came out with the vintage collection one because it's it's a very good Jar Jar action figure. It's highly articulated, it looks decent and I don't want a Jar Jar figure, but at the same time it's nice to have one in case I ever want to recreate a scene that he's in. The um
0: uh... For me, I know my my prequel collection has been deliberately limited, but I I always try to go out of my way to get the key characters. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, at this point they seem to they come out and then they go right into plastic baggy into storage.
2: Yeah, yeah, kind of got that same thing going. You know, I don't I don't display too many of
0: them. Well, it's uh, it, it's not that. It's not that the films were bad, okay, they were, but you know the original trilogy was was mine, and Empire Strikes Back was so close to my heart. Mm-hmm. It still holds the, the place in my uh, in my life as my favorite movie, and, you know it was difficult to get dates by admitting that, but still, you know it's you know it, it, it's how I honestly feel. So the uh, the holy prequels, they are meant for our children. They are meant for somebody else, and and that's okay. That we can enjoy them for what they are. But uh, here we are holding out hope that you know, these upcoming three films will be a continuation. That's going to be both our Star Wars and uh, and what the new generation is going to be doing with them.
2: Yeah, personally, I'm quite optimistic about them. You know, we've gotten. You know that the people who were mainly responsible for the prequels are out of the way. We've got Kathleen Kennedy in charge, and you know, they, uh, Michael Arndt. I mean, some people aren't too f- fond of him, but I personally like the movies that he's done.
0: No, and uh, and uh, *Scream* Empire Strikes Back* coming back on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on Mr. Lucas's back, just a moment. <laughs> he, he had built such a beautiful empire that nobody wanted to say no to him nobody yeah. would say Mr. Lucas uh, you can write the diary you know the way it should come across maybe you aren't the best at doing every single task with the film um, and quite seriously the original trilogy I think Empire was so good because he turned so much of it over to others. Yeah, what was the Harrison
2: Ford line? You know, you can write this stuff, but we can't say it, or something like that.
0: I think it was something along those lines. But yeah. it's, you know, the poor, uh, you know, the the poor guy, Mr. Lucas, is is an incredible talent, and I will never deny him that. But you know, he cannot write a love story to save his life, and. <laughs> love the rascally devil, I mean, his, his most famous line, the I know, it's just, you know, Harrison coming up to <coughs> well, the set going, hey, that a different way? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's, I, I believe that some art is a effort of many, and the prequels just felt like it was George Lucas's effort to go ahead and, and make this and I think it would have been so much better if he had opened himself up to more input and devi- you know, deviating from the I'm writing and I'm directing it, actually turning it over to others, so that's my I, I felt excitement for the three films is the fact that he is he's, he's giving a story he's going to go ahead and be a consultant but he's not going to be there on the set control the degree that he did the other films
2: exactly exactly <clears throat> yeah we talked about this quite a bit in the last episode <clears throat> and the uh the gentleman that was the executive producer who just stepped down recently i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he's been getting quite a bit of flack and has been for for always just sort of being a yes man uh throughout the whole prequels and his retirement was extreme Rick, uh... Rick McGowan? Rick McGowan, that's the gentleman, yeah. But, uh, um, this being, this being so close to the holidays, um, I'd kinda like to recap and see if you guys had any, uh, any fun holiday memories related to Star Wars. Uh, Jason, have you got, like, maybe a, a favorite toy or maybe a favorite experience from
0: growing up that's somewhat Star Wars related in holidays? Yes, I do, definitely. I, I don't remember how old I was. I was born in 75, and we didn't actually see Star Wars until 78. Mm-hmm. Uh, see The movie's back at a much longer theater run. And uh, I had my dad tell the story. <laughs> he wasn't really interested in seeing it when it first came out, but then all the hype that had built up and finally uh, I was lucky enough to go along. At four years old, I saw Star Wars in the theater for the first time. Some very big movies about that, but in, in one of the preceding Christmases, Um, I think it was a couple years later after, in between Empire and Return of the Jedi, I was, of course, I wanted the AT-AT Walker. (laughs) Who didn't? I I actually never got that AT-AT Walker, uh, but my dad, being a crafty fellow, he figured he could uh, make me a ship. (laughs) Uh all the Star Wars characters I had. I remember coming down Christmas morning, I must have been six or seven years old, <laughs> and there being this thing on the floor that was supposed to be for me. And uh, for some reason, I thought it was a vacuum cleaner to my hand. I was like, what is that? Why why, does, why is my name on the vacuum cleaner? And then, of course, they explained it that uh, no, this is a, a Star Wars ship that your dad made, and he, he made it out of like some PVC pipe and a five-gallon bucket. It, it's actually quite a masterpiece of, Creation and I wish I, I still had it because it's an interesting uh, shit concept.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I remember being angry at first, but I spent countless hours playing with that thing. Uh-huh. Uh, did a great job, and I I just played with it forever. Actually, I think on my Instagram, I think I posted a picture of it sometime back on a like a Throwback Thursday or something. I think I, I put a picture of me sitting next to it on Christmas mm-hmm. morning. It's, uh, repost uh, yeah definitely I'll have to repost that, uh, that was uh
2: yeah or, or at least tag me on if you can dig it up and tag me on that picture i'll uh i'll I'll, I'll put a shot of it on the in the show notes here it sounds pretty awesome,
0: sure, yeah you did you did a great job actually of making it and uh that, it was a it was a fun memory um one other memory i I remember getting. I got two Lando Calarissian. I think it was that same Christmas, actually. Uh My parents had bought me a Lando Calrissian, and, and someone else had me. And I think that was the very first time I came to the realization that there were figure variations. Same figure, but, you know, just the standard, you know, shirt Lando. Mm-hmm. I don't know, there was this really odd deformity on his head. <laughs> That's all in my mind. But, uh, I always thought that was so weird that they're they're, the, they're supposed to be the same figure, but they were different. Mm-hmm.
3: The
0: head wound, Lando. <laughs> actually, uh, one of the earliest piece I still have. Actually, the only piece that I have of my original collection is a Han Solo, who my dog at the time had chewed, and so of course he's worthless to everybody else. But he's got some great memory for me. Mm-hmm. I remember. We called him Handless Solo.
3: Nice.
0: Was it both hands, or was it just one? Both hands, yes.
2: Oh, okay. That would have been appropriate if it were one, because then it could have been Hand Solo. But I like the Handless Solo as well. Uh, what about you, Bobby? Did you ever get an ad at Walker
0: when you were a kid? I'm afraid so. Uh Oh, you were that kid, huh? Lee <laughs> he uh he... He, uh, grew up poor and, uh, he, he worked so hard to give his kids everything that he wasn't able to get. And, uh, I, I'm so appreciative of him. Mm-hmm. But man, that thing was beautiful when you finally got it on Christmas Day.
3: I was, very
0: And I remember I, I got a Falcon one year. I got a, I got an Adat. Um, but me and my brother, it was always in the beginning. It was just like, okay, we're we're buying these things for you guys, mm-hmm. so two for one. It's nice about it, but uh, my brother made up the early bird kit in such disappointment that hey, there's no figures in here. <laughs> <laughs> I able to read in 1977, so it wasn't a huge issue at the time. I, you know, I was still young then. Uh, I always hated splitting figures he would get the heroes and I would get these secondary characters because I was the younger brother. And, you know, you want to, you want to have a Vader, but you know, I'm Obi-Wan. I'm the, uh, I'm walrus man, you know, uh-huh. it's like, Come on dad, let me buy one of the, the, the real ones for <laughs> like talk about, but no, uh, the Christmas memories definitely, uh, Uh, coming back and being able to get the, get that first ad at that thing was incredible. And I don't think I took my hand out of it, articulating its head and neck for the entire dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Beating it and everything else. (laughs) Like the stuffing past, please. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that was, that was truly uh, an incredible toy. I was, I was very fortunate to to have many of these originals, which were, of course, (sighs) be sold on ebay so uh mm-hmm. you now they've got just hope they're being taken care of with sorry with what's that
2: what's your christmas um see i was i was born in 77 so i don't like most of my early memories like i i have memories of getting toys as a kid i never like, vehicle-wise, I never had... I mean, I, I had a second-hand X-wing fighter that was missing the canopy and the guns, and the electronics didn't work. Um, I think the only brand-new vehicle I ever got as a kid was a uh, a TIE fighter, and I remember it had the wings that would pop off, and I, I vaguely remember playing with those. Uh, but honestly, my favorite uh Christmas memory was when I was 20... Yeah, I think it was 20. It was just before my 21st birthday... And I was, you know, in college and was making my own money and they were re-releasing all of these toys, uh, again at that time. Granted, they all look like He-Man, but the, uh, the Adat Walkers were the same as they had been before, just with different paint jobs essentially. And so that Christmas I had bought myself an AT-AT Walker. And my mom had found an ad at Walker at Goodwill for in the box for about 10 bucks. And so that Christmas I had two ad at walkers and I had a pretty good collection of figures going at that point. And my younger brother, we had Christmas at my dad's house and then we both went back over to my house and, uh, being the experimental college kids that we were, we both dropped some acid and decided to play star Wars. Um, and so we had, uh, had a couple of ad-at walkers, and we set up these bases, these really intricate bases, and we're just going nuts, and we're just just having way too much fun tripping and playing Star Wars with these ad-at walkers. And my roommate came home and just sort of looked at the living room and was like, what the hell is going on here? And we both look up with huge eyes, and, we need somebody to keep score! And we had this whole elaborate game score system that he sort of just sat there and like, all right, well, I'm just, sure, I'll keep score. I'm just going to sit here and smoke your guys's weed and keep score for you. And he, he was thoroughly amused watching us, these two semi-grown men having a ball playing Star Wars all morning long. Uh, so I had, I had to wait till I was about 20 before I finally got my ad at Walker. And two. Yeah, I got two at once. Uh, I, I have since given, I gave one of those to my nephews, uh, his kids. And, uh, yeah, a couple Christmases ago, I built them a couple of Death Star play sets. And, and this is a kind of a fun Christmas m- memory. I, uh, cause I don't have kids of my own, but I lived vicariously through my, my brother's kids. And so, uh, with all of the newer action figures, I had upgraded, uh, from all of those Power of the Force 2 figures. And so I had, I was able to give them like a whole hero set. Like I gave Darth Vader and a few stormtroopers and, a Boba Fett. Actually, I gave him most of the bounty hunters and uh, Luke and Leia's and Han and Chewie and, you know, just about one of everybody. And I gave them an ad at Walker and I gave them uh, these Death Star play sets, which were very modular and that they could set up and play with. And, uh, that was that was a fun Christmas. It was really fun to watch them open all of that stuff and uh, spend the morning playing with them uh doing that
0: that was uh that was no doubt an incredible moment for them they're, like you said being g- able to give an instant collection oh it really
2: was um sadly they're they're smart kids and so they knew that these weren't the best of the best action figures they you know they knew that they were more articulated ones out there it's sort of like when i try to show them a a classic movie of some sort and as soon as they see some cheesy 80s special effects they kind of roll their eyes and go this is old
3: <laughs>
2: great film exactly Speaking of holiday memories, I had a, a contest on my blog recently to give away a T-shirt, and the way that people entered was to to leave a holiday memory uh, in the comments, and then I drew a winner from that. Uh, but one of my favorite ones from this gentleman named Hugh, and uh, it was Christmas of '78, and he's a seventy-year seven-year-old, and he wakes up early and runs down, and he finds the Death Star playset, and he says he froze, and just you know, almost brought a tear to his eye. He says, you know, just. That Santa brought this slice of the galaxy far, far away. So he pushes past his sister, and he gets to the playset, and he opens it up. And it's. he says it's populated with three-inch versions of his heroes. You have Vader, Luke, Han, Leia, Ben Kenobi, and everybody. Uh, he says, but it quickly became apparent to me that something was not quite right. Darth Vader was suspended on a rope crossing the missing bridge. Han Solo was manning the main Death Star gun. Master Kenobi was in the trash compactor. Leia was sitting in the control panel. None of this was right. These characters were not where they were supposed to be. Santa Claus would know better, wouldn't he? He had to. That could only mean one thing.
0: That was the last year he believed in Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> How could Santa Claus be real if he can't get Star Wars right?
3: Exactly. <laughs>
0: it's crushing childhood. Um,
2: do you guys ever remember seeing the holiday special when you guys were little?
0: I don't. I don't actually ever even remember having awareness of the holiday special when I. Um, we didn't really have cable growing up so I probably missed it at some point and for you know, for whatever reason it didn't really stick around in, in popular culture for very long
2: no it didn't, it seemed like it's made a resurgence in the last few years as sort of that being so bad it's good
0: I, and I actually, I just saw it for the first time maybe two years ago
2: were you able and, to sit through it all at
0: once? Uh on my first attempt, I was not able to. Yeah. Uh, oh, so bad it's good. No, it's really, really bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. I tried to sit, but I couldn't. It, I just couldn't make it through it. But I forced myself to sit through it and the, the cartoon in the middle with Boba Fett, that's about its only saving grace, but the, the Wookiee porn. Like, <laughs> I don't know what 70s singer it was, Diane, Carol, or something. I don't know. Something, yeah. There's some, there's some bad stuff in there. Like, I don't know what those guys are thinking when they put that thing together.
2: That's the most awkward scene in just about anything I've ever seen. I mean, I get uncomfortable watching that. I mean, I, I can't watch it. I, you know, every once in a while, I will sit down. I mean, I'll put it on my iPod every year and try to, you know, just have it on there. And when I get bored, I'll try and watch it somewhere, but I can't. I and mean, I always just skip through and I watch the cartoon. Uh, I actually like, cause the copy I have has commercials in it, and I actually love watching it for the commercials. Like, I think there's a Where's the Beef commercial on there still. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, I'm the type of guy who could really care less about sports, but I watch this, I go to Super Bowl parties every year just for the beer, the barbecue and the commercials. Um, and, uh, so I, I get a kick out of watching the old commercials from old TV stuff. So that's why I enjoy it in some level. But no, I can't sit through and watch the whole thing at
0: once. You oh, know, Whit, i have I, got to take back the lines that I said about uh, George Lucas relinquishing control to somebody else, because honestly that, that holiday special is a representation of what happens when Lucas isn't calling the shot, so you know what? I, I just...
2: <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um...
0: Heard story. I've heard stories similar to that. Uh, I think we are shooting *Empire Strikes Back* at the time, and and George was busy, so he he gave charge to someone else and said, "Yeah, just kind of make a a nice variety show that people can enjoy." And boy, that so. <laughs> the <sells. William laughs> Arthur and the Star Wars universe. There, there's always the figure. There There's the concept we need to work on next. <laughs> the Anchor guy, we don't have B. Arthur. What? <laughs> <laughs> Listening. Come on. Step up that bat, guys.
2: We'll see if we can get, whether Riddle Scum or whoever tends to head up those competitions to get the fan's choice figure. See if we can get that in there one year.
0: Uh. Was it Grandpa Wookiee with his, uh, torn goggles? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with
2: his big, gross, toothless smile.
0: <laughs> oh, good times, good
2: times. <laughs> oh man! But it's been it's been quite a year in 2012, um, as far as Star Wars stuff goes. I mean, we had we had a movie in the theater, um, and then I don't know if it was just the popular. Did you guys did did either of you guys go and see it in 3D? I did. Yes.
0: Yeah. I did not. <laughs> yeah.
2: You skipped that one, Bobby.
0: It's you yeah. know. As much flack as Phantom Menace gets, I mean, it does have its its bad parts. Um, mm-hmm. There's some really neat stuff there. I mean, the the lightsaber duel between Darth Maul and Obi Wan mm-hmm. is some. It I think it's my favorite lightsaber duel. It's just so athletic and so fast paced. Mm-hmm. Such a job on it. Um, I mean, say what you will about all the acting and everything, but it's it's a beautiful movie to look at. Uh, the landscapes and, and everything it was, it was just so well crafted and so well designed. Um, and and seeing it in 3D, uh, you know, I've, I've have yet to see a 3D movie that grabs me and makes me think that this is the way that movies need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw Avatar. It was it was alright. It didn't really do all that much for me. Um, so, I mean, the same thing with the Phantom Menace. There were some scenes that were, uh, it kind of expounded things a little bit, like when they were swimming into the, uh, the Gungan underwater city mm-hmm. and seeing that city unfold in 3D. It really did give it a lot of dimension, a lot of, uh, a lot of different perspective, I guess, but, uh, uh I don't know. I can deal with that the three, but I'll probably go see them all in the theaters
2: anyway. <laughs> I will too, just for the experience of seeing them in the theaters uh i had I was actually kind of excited to see it because it came out right about the time of my birthday in February, and I have a friend whose birthday is the day after mine, and he's another big Star Wars fan, so I took him to go see it and i had uh but I had just finished reading the Darth Plagueis book um and it, honestly, one of the best Star Wars books I've ever read, and the tagline I always add for that book is that 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 book added so much more dimension than 3D did to the Phantom Menace. Um, it it really there's a lot of those EU books that that I look at the prequels a lot differently than I did when I just saw the movies on their own after reading and finding out more about some of the characters that were in those books and the situations, and like oh now I understand why that character acts that way. Um, and that sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, if you guys haven't read it, I highly recommend Darth Plagueis. It'll add a whole new dimension to, to Palpatine alone. Um, it's, it's a really great book.
0: Definitely. And actually some of the specific scenes, because that, that book actually leads up into the Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. there's, there's scenes in there where when you're watching it on, on screen and after having read the book, it, like you said, it definitely gives you a perspective of it because, um, you know, that I think in the scene where Qui-Gon is, is speaking to Anakin on the, uh, on the deck as they're about to take off talking about the famous midi chlorians. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene, you know, from the book that Palpatine is up on a balcony watching them and, uh, you know, wondering about things and trying to reach out with the force a little bit and trying to decipher what's maybe they're talking about. And um, just things like that—it definitely gives it a, a more dimension than the 3D does.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, just like you said, scenes like that, and it's like watching the movie now. I'm like constantly looking in the corners to see if Palpatine—you know—see if you see Palpatine catching a peek at them, or like there's a scene with uh, where uh, Darth Maul does his, you know, now we will have our revenge line when he's talking to to Palpatine, and uh, and. Darth Plagueis is in the background somewhere watching that. And it's like, you know, I always kind of hope that see him, you know, behind a, you know, behind the corner or something, but you never do. But yeah. Um And I don't know if it was just the popularity of Star Wars this year. I mean, it, it seems like it's sort of really peaked in the last couple of years. Um, But it seemed like, you know, this May, May the 4th was a real, uh almost a holiday this year. I mean, it's just the amount of stuff on Instagram and the amount of, just stuff in main culture. Uh, it was pretty incredible.
0: I think a huge part of that too is, uh, the success that they're having with the Clone Wars on TV. I know a lot of people are giving that some flack, but it's, it's a fantastic series.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I watch it religiously. I mean, I, I wasn't too happy with the last episode, but that's okay.
0: A couple of episodes, But, uh, on the whole, they've, They've had some amazing, amazing stories there, and and actually, um, some of it it's some of my some of my favorite Star Wars is actually coming from the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had just some really neat stories coming out of the Mortis trilogy, um, and I, actually, yeah. I was a huge fan of the the Young Jedi trilogy where they went to caves and got their lifesavers.
2: Yeah, I was really surprised with that one. I wasn't expecting to like that one that much, but I really enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh... I've come to, to, to enjoy, uh, Asaw's Ventress quite a bit. I kind of wanted to hate her when they first brought her into it, but at the end of last season, I really enjoyed the character quite a bit.
0: Yeah. So let's hope they, uh, recover from the, <laughs> the last couple episodes. and It looks like the rest of the season is going to be, uh, really good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh,
2: did either of you guys get to make it down to, uh, to Star Wars Celebration?
0: My photos. That was about it.
2: Oh, really? You got your photos down there somehow?
0: The uh, the collectors' showcase. Oh, okay. Uh, they reached out to me. There was a uh, there was a collectors' lounge where yeah. they were slide showing of some of the work. So, unfortunately, I was not able to attend. I was able to send my minions the JPEG format. Excellent, excellent. That's
2: pretty cool. Of course, we had the the big news of Disney with the buying out of uh, Lucasfilm. And new movies. I'm still blown away by that. I mean, I, I, we were gearing up to talk about, you know, are we going to have another dark times? Like there was after Return of the Jedi, um, on one of our last podcasts. And then that news broke and it answered the question. Like, no, there's not going to be a dark times. Like it's just going to keep building up. I think.
0: I think that's, that's one of the events. In life that you, it's the thing where you remember exactly where you're at when it happened. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the news. And when I first, when I found out it, it hit you so hard that you didn't really know what to think.
2: <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe it. I mean, I got a tweet from somebody. I had, you know, I just gotten back from running some errands. I told this story on the last podcast, but I'll just recap it for you guys real quick and just ran out, got some errands, got home, got a tweet from somebody going, Read this blog post. You know, what do you think about this? You know, I read it. I was like, what are you talking about? So I immediately started Googling stuff and just reading all over. and was like, holy shit, this is
0: actually real. I had heard about it. I didn't believe it was real either. And exactly what you did. I started Googling it. And you find out, you know, there's major press sites that are reporting it and have coverage of it. And and it hits you. And and I just didn't know what to think. I was in shock for quite a while, actually.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And as it starts to sink in, I, I am so excited about it. Um, I don't think that there is a better place for Star Wars than under the Disney umbrella. I think they've done a fantastic job with, with Pixar and with Marvel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Turning them on, but allowing them to continue to be their own thing. You know, there's, there's no Mickey Mouse and the Avengers and anything like that. I no. It's some, yeah. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. And I'm excited to see what they've got in store for us for episode seven. And it's certainly been interesting, the inspiration of uh, artwork that's been coming out of this. Mm -hmm. Everything from uh, Luke in uh, New Hope staring at the sun, which is actually... uh, The sun's with Mickey Mouse ears. (laughs) And uh, and I also am enjoying a lot of the uh, idea of Leia as the new uh, Disney princess. I do get a kick out of that. I've
2: been rolling my eyes at most of it, but that joke actually works for me. So
0: I, I think it's a it's a whole new level, and it's like I said, it, it helps establish a uh, a future for it. <clears throat> I'm just very curious to see what's going to happen to things that have already been defined out. I was hearing that uh, today that the comic books may suddenly move to in-house Disney, and will those be restarted or rebooted? And that's not a chain of fault, it's not the genre of it, but there's this it's well-established.
1: Yeah the,
2: yeah, the EU, I mean, the extended universe, both in the books and in the comics, and they overlap quite a bit, uh, but they all kind of stay in continuity. And, and that's actually one thing that, that the Star Wars universe versus the Star Trek universe is where they differ is that there has been a solid continuity, uh, throughout, um, and they don't sort of overwrite each other too much. There have been a few times, like with the Clone Wars, where George Lucas has gone back and sort of, you know, said, no, no, that's, you know, I'm doing it my own way. But for the most part, the whole universe has followed one, one path. Um, and that's going to change now. I mean, they have said they're not going to follow what's in the EU for the new movies. They're going to, you know, pick and choose elements they like. But, you know, the, you know, the Thrawn trilogy that everybody loves to talk about is not going to be the premise for
0: the next three movies. Well, I see that, uh, Disney, Disney owns Marvel, right? So,
3: mm-hmm. I'm sure at
0: the point when uh, current contracts are up, I'm sure we'll see Star Wars come back to the Marvel family.
2: Yeah, that's what's been in the headlines the last couple of days. And,
0: yeah. Uh, so, so everyone's been looking.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's too bad. I mean, I, I do like Dark Horse quite a bit. I like what they've done with the Star Wars universe. But, at the same time, I mean, I you know, business is business. You know, I understand. Um,
0: well, I can. Marvel comic days. They introduced us that uh if you remember, uh, Han had a buddy. It was a it was a green bunny. <laughs> he actually had a cameo
2: role in the last uh Clone Wars episode. They, did they? They found a skeleton in a ship in the desert where they were out roaming around and it was a bucktooth skull that had the same space suit
0: as Jackson. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm I'm actually really excited about the prospect of uh seeing Mark. Prizes role as Luke Skywalker and and you know possibly bringing on Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Billy D. Williams the rest of them, that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think to bridge the gap. Obviously, you can't carry an entire franchise on. No, know, but so they much.
2: could definitely pass the torch.
0: Exactly, passing the torch along that that would be fantastic. I would just love to see that.
2: Yeah, and I think it was on the Forcecast recently where they brought up that. They can't find, and I haven't been able to find, um, any instance of this, but if these characters were to come back and reprise these roles, this would be the longest gap, you know, the, you know, 20 some odd year or something gap between the last time they played this character to coming back and reprising that role. As far as they could tell, nobody's ever done that in Hollywood before. So that'd be kind of a cool thing.
0: Interesting. You've heard, I've heard reports of, uh, uh, Mark Campbell saying back, back in the day, Shooting at uh, George George actually pulled him aside and said, Hey, do you want to come back and play this role? You're an old man. (laughs) So it's actually something that's been in the works for a long time, but uh, just got a little sidetracked for a while, I think. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen very early interviews, and I thought I even posted one on my Twitter feed. Where uh it's Mark Hamill describing, Oh yeah, this is the middle three, then they're gonna do the first three and then we're gonna come back and do the next three. It's I always love the there's always been a bigger picture that's been planned and all right, if that's why is Luke and Leia always smooching on each other? Why what is <laughs> we're he of, was still
2: feeling uh, it out then.
0: Uh yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah. They knew the exact plan for a moment. One, mm-hmm. so that's what I kind of love about it is that to a certain degree, it is it is coming true.
3: Mm-hmm. So now George, a- George is quite the visionary,
2: and I think he's proved that quite a few times. He's also proven that he needs somebody to sort of keep him honest and you know keep him in check. But I mean, crap! I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here talking today if it weren't for him.
0: Definitely, we would have been. This would have been a He-Man podcast. Oh yeah, He-Man or <laughs> <laughs> right, G. Fix is- so the early Star Wars 96 figures. Then, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. you he put GFGO on Netflix, and I've been watching that. That's, uh, I have been, too.
2: It, it, I enjoy that they put a bunch of old 80s stuff up there, and uh, it's also a little crushing, too, because stuff that I loved as a child, and I go back and I'm watching it now going, oh, this is really bad. This is really, really bad. But I, I, I have enjoyed the, the old episodes of Magnum P.I. and Knight Rider, and even MacGyver is on there, too.
0: Yeah, I had, uh, I remember when Knight Rider came out on DVD, I grabbed the box set and Target and I put it in my cart. And I think I rolled around for it, with it for like half an hour before I actually put it back. And later on on iTunes, I, I bought, uh, bought the, uh, car episode. Mm-hmm. His evil, uh, evil twin brother, voiced by, uh, Optimus Prime, comes back. Oh, no way. <laughs> I don't remember that one. That's great. Just watching that and after spending that one ninety nine I realized how much money I just saved myself because <laughs> there was no replay value in some of that eighties material. You could just watch it once, and you're like,
3: Okay.
2: Well, I managed to pick up a, a DVD of uh the, the old droids cartoon a while ago. They had taken a few episodes of that and stitched it together to make like a two hour long movie out of a few episodes. And they've since pulled it, like you can't even get it on Netflix anymore, but I got it then, and I tried to watch it then, and it's it's sort of like the holiday special. It's almost painful to watch. And I made my nephews suffer through it a little while ago when we were driving up to Lake Tahoe to go for to the cabin for a couple or for the weekend. And they've got a DVD player in the car, and I was in the back seat with them, and they wanted to watch Spider Man Three, and I was like, No, that's an awful movie. We're not watching that. We're watching this instead. And halfway through it, they're going, "This is awful." <laughs> I had to I had to agree with them and say, "Yeah, this is awful. Why don't we put in Dark Knight?"
0: I've i got that DVD that you're talking about. Did the same thing with the the Ewok series.
2: Uh huh.
0: I have it, the DVD of the Ewok series, and
2: my daughter loves that DVD. That I loved stuff. them as a kid. I mean, I.
0: It was the that, Smurfs, right? There it was it was, it was kind of redoing them as that. It was kind of yeah. Honestly, watching watching both of those DVDs, the Ewoks is watchable. I mean, it's you can actually get to enjoy. The droids, eh, not so much, but the Ewoks is watchable. It's, it's uh, enjoyable viewing.
2: (laughs) I've been trying to get my hands on the old Ewok movies. I haven't been able to track those down. They were, they were available on Netflix for a little while, but there was like this, you know, indefinite wait and then they just pulled it all together.
0: They were on DVD as well. Yeah. I've got copies of those. Oh, do you really? And uh, caravan of courage, right, right, yes. No, I haven't seen those
2: since they were on TV back in the day.
0: They are—they're um, interesting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're interesting. Yeah, uh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I mean, with with Disney owning it, I'm sure we'll end up with with gems like that. Of you know, maybe not on that quality of scale, but you know, I'm sure they'll be doing plenty of you know, straight to DVD type movies and things in the future, uh, which I'm kind of excited about.
0: Yeah, and actually, just recently, I, I read that disney and netflix have worked out some new deal so i'm sure once uh they assume all of the catalog of the lucasfilm library i'm sure some of that stuff will be coming out on netflix that'll be cool
2: yeah i remember reading about that and immediately in the new releases they had uh they had some disney movies as sort of i guess like a good you know a token of good faith or something like that they released a few disney movies onto netflix and so Why did I watch that first night? Oh, the Muppet movie that that immediately came came up on Netflix, and so I
0: got to go back and watch that again. That was a lot of fun.
2: I'm
3: I'm
0: sure that you know there's not really a place for the entire Droid series or the entire Ewok series other than Netflix. That just seems like the perfect place for it.
3: Yeah, I fully agree. I mean
2: i don't have I don't have TV or cable, but I have Netflix streaming, and that's that's my entertainment in the evening.
0: Yeah, same. and i've got a collection of star wars movies
1: <laughs> yeah
2: there is that yeah i watched return of the jedi the other night and uh you know i love watching it on blu-ray and i you know i remember kind of being upset when they were talking about you know Ewoks blinking and things but it really doesn't bother me at all the only the only thing that does kind of bother me is that <clears throat> the old map paintings just don't hold up on blu-ray you can tell when it's a map painting in a scene whereas when i put in i have the dvd versions of the original original unaltered ones you know that were from the laser disc rips or something. And those look so much better watching on my big screen than the Blu-rays do in some ways. Yeah,
0: I know what you're talking about. Cause I think one scene specifically where uh, Harrison Ford is talking to Billy Dee Williams, they're in the, a hangar standing in front of the Millennium Falcon. Yep. It just looks like they're standing in front of a painting. Yeah, and there's another
2: one where the Emperor is is coming off of his shuttle onto the Death Star, and there's all the stormtroopers all lined up. And you can see that only the first row are actual people in suits and the rest of them are all painted. And it's just, it's such a glaring contrast in that high definition, but whatever. It's still an awesome scene. And I don't have enough stormtroopers to set it up yet, but I'm working on it.
0: We would probably murder if they had, the re, uh, redid that scene digitally. Oh yeah, we would have. You know, I wish they had gone
2: in and maybe touched up the map paintings a little bit more. That is my only gripe with that.
0: I'm, I'm looking. To hopefully a Disney release of the uh, of the trilogies where Han shooting first and yeah boxes and and you know not, not necessarily the cleanest of the prints but uh, on the other hand the amount of money they spent with restoring it you know they must have a, a high definition quality of the original original yeah have you seen
2: uh, have either of you guys seen the fan film Star Wars Revisited where a guy went through and basically touched up and re-edited a few scenes and uh, he made Han shoot first again and he took out the whole Java scene from a new hope and he recut some of the uh, the dogfight fight from the end just to make it a little bit more flow a little bit better and things uh, it's it's really quite a yeah it's, it's it's a really great thing he actually added a base channel for the lightsabers and cleaned up the lightsabers a bit he made Luke's lightsaber blue instead of green when he's fighting against the little training thing on the Millennium Falcon uh it's that's a great copy i i I enjoy having that movie in my collection i'm keeping my fingers crossed that he'll finish up uh Empire uh revisited pretty soon
0: I've seen bits and pieces of it but I've just seen uh like youtube clips of it uh-huh. i't have seen a high quality version is 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 that thing that you've downloaded or?
3: yeah if you look around
2: for it um uh you can download a torrent of it and basically the only rule is it's a fan film you know he can't sell it. And the only rule is, is that you have to own a copy of Star Wars originally. Anyway, this can't be like your first copy of Star Wars that you're getting, which I'm sure all of us, in some form or another, have a copy. Maybe, Maybe. <laughs> you might have one floating around there somewhere. Yes, DVD, Blu-ray. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same way. I, I made it a goal because I, I like to hit thrift stores quite a bit, and so I've been collecting as many copies of the old VHSs as I can. Not the, not the remastered ones or the whatever it's called. Uh, but the, the original ones with the painted covers and things. Uh, so I've got two sets of that right now. One of these days I'll, I'll be giving that away as a contest prize. I'll give away a set of those.
0: I think really the only problem that I have with, uh, any of the, the things that have gone back and they've redone the, the hand shooting first. Like, yeah, I, I don't think Greedo was shot first, but I get why he wanted to make Han Solo less of a cold-blooded murderer, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of get. Everything, it's it's fine. The only thing that really bothers me that it just, every time I see it, I just know it doesn't work, is Hayden Christensen replacing Sebastian Shaw. Right. For the Deadeye. Yeah, that bugs me a lot, too. Makes sense in my head. And I I think even from a, a film standpoint, like, you know, just 10 minutes earlier, we saw Darth Vader take off his helmet. And we saw Sebastian Shaw underneath. Mm-hmm. And that's what Luke saw, you know. And ten minutes later, we're seeing somebody else. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me.
2: I'd love to see a fan edit where the, the Hayden Christensen ghost pops up, and Luke suddenly turns and goes, "Who the hell are you?"
0: Who's this guy? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but the you know, in the last podcast, we were discussing that, and the only the only thing that would make that okay in my book, well, not so much make it okay, but make it somewhat more. Digestible for me would be is if they get Hayden Christensen to come back as a Force Ghost in the new movies. And that would just give it a little bit of continuity for me and make it a little
0: bit more acceptable in my book. That, that thought has crossed my mind. Yeah. And actually the thought of having, you know, possibly Hayden Christensen, uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, Liam Neeson, Mm -hmm. Yoda, Force Ghosts, maybe counseling with an older Luke.
2: Wow. I I wouldn't accept bringing, I mean, I love Ewan McGregor. I think he made a, an awesome Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, he's obviously, he's one of my favorite parts about the prequels. But the only way I would accept him coming back as, as Obi-Wan Kenobi would be if it were like a holocron that Luke comes across that Obi-Wan Kenobi had built in his younger years and Luke is using that to learn and teach, you know, new Jedi or something. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. There's, there's so much stuff that can happen and I'm, I'm so afraid that I'm going to spoil this movie for me before I ever go and see it, just with the internet and how excited I get about stuff and clicking on
0: links and stuff. But hopefully I won't. The the internet moves too quickly. I I remember you'd have to wait months for a Starlog issue to come out. A picture of, you know, from Return of the Jedi. It's like, what are they building out in the desert? Mm -hmm. Now, what is it? uh, Three minutes after something happened? A soundstage? Oh, it's ridiculous, Yeah. It suddenly it's up on the internet, and even though they they might yank it down immediately. It's there; everyone will be able to view it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know the uh, to to be able to contain the spoilers. I think it's going to be very difficult. We'll see. Yeah, it's well, even right from the from back in ninety nine when the Phantom Menace was coming out. I mean, yes, they had the internet; it was all over the place. But I remember spending about five and a half hours one evening <laughs> downloading the. Phantom Menace trailer call on my fifty six K modem. Mhm. And you know, obviously just being riveted by what I saw on screen, but now, like you're saying, you know, the instant that the uh the trailer's online, I'll be able to download it to my phone, you know, watch it if i'm on the bus or something, you know. <laughs> Who knows?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it takes away some of the I mean it, it adds to the excitement, but at the same time I think it takes away some of the magic. Yeah, I was fortunate I didn't have an internet connection back in the day when, when Phantom Menace came out, but I did spoil it for myself. I bought a comic book version of it two weeks before I went and saw the movie. So I knew the story before I went and saw the movie. Yeah, oops. I couldn't wait. I saw it in a comic book store one
0: day and was like, ooh, ooh, gotta get it. So back in the, uh, back in the eighties, I was, uh, so friendly with the comic shop owner. I remember she had pre-sold me and my brother the return of the Jedi, um, Essentially, the uh, the annual that was the whole uh, was the whole story, all illustrated out by Marvel at that point. So this was like a couple of weeks before the movie came out. And <laughs> like we're holding the secrets of the universe in our hands. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that kind of uh, that kind of material—it's gonna be tough to hold back. Yeah, it really is. How, hey, Bobby, how old were you when that? Return came out. Uh, I was born in September one so that would have put me cuz what was that 80 82 83 i think it came out three. yeah so that would have put me at what 12 13 yeah what thoughts the ewoks at that point i was not appalled by them i had i had accepted them as being characters they didn't feel like uh, the uh, little guys that we came to see them as but even in the recent years, it's just to see my my turning around of attitude towards them, with the uh, especially the action figure lines. The, again, I hate the prequels, but you know I have such a deep appreciation now for Ewoks because of the prequels. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, they're not Gun Guns, you know at least. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm, I'm a little younger than you are. I was like eight, but yeah, I was eight when Return came out. And I loved the Ewoks when I was growing up. I just thought they were the coolest things ever, like flying around in the gliders and mm-hmm. taking guys with the logs. And and now actually viewing it to see what the Ewoks were actually going to do to our beloved heroes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, try for main course and, you know, eat them all and and, and have a grand supper. That was thwarted. To They're not as cuddly and fluffy as people like to think. I've got a, I've got a photograph I took of one of my, for uh, my Endor set up on my shelf where it's one Ewok standing over a stormtrooper and he's got his knife pulled and honestly it's got a in his eye it's it's like furry Dexter it's really <laughs> it's it's frightening actually and I'm like all right here's here's a cold hearted killer that's a teddy bear all right nice so head on shot first you should have watch out for those Ewoks. Yeah. I've got a g-
2: great comic book that, uh, it's sort of a what if scenario and it's a survivor from the empire who had been on the battle of Endor and survived and lived to tell about it. And he's in a cantina and everybody avoids him and they're saying, you know, don't talk to him. He's a crazy old coot. And somebody makes a mistake of talking to him. and He suddenly goes into like, you know, they would come out of the darkness and there was eyes and this and that. And he just describes them as these bloodthirsty little savages. Um, it's, a, it's, It's a really graphic comic. It's pretty
0: cool. It's different from the Ewoks that we saw in the cartoon that we were talking about before. Very, very different. I did not know the Smurfs were uh, (laughs) Uh, man-eaters.
2: We never saw them interact with people. The Smurfs could have been.
0: Yeah. Eat or be eaten. You know, really. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I had uh, sometime back, a a post that I had done on Instagram, I had set up a shot of my Ewok village and a bunch of Ewoks and uh I think I titled it uh "What What Would Have Happened Had Luke Not Been There," or something like that. And they're going to town eating uh, Han Solo all over the place. Solo again, right? There we go. Yeah, exactly. I used the Han Solo in that scene as they had eaten off of his <laughs> pants. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen actual toy shots in a while. You guys are inspiring me to get back to my. It's a lot of fun. It really is. Is, it, well, it's it's fun to try to to pull the character out of these little inanimate objects, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if done well enough, you you get that, you get the the character that's inside, and, and like Bobby, with your attention to detail, like it's phenomenal what you're doing there. You we were talking about the uh, carbon freezing chamber. I was I was actually looking at those pictures while you were talking about it, and what you did to that. Just phenomenal! Great job. Thank you. It's 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 a labor of love, as as you know from everything that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, my my purpose on Instagram isn't nearly as as noble as as what you're doing, but uh, it it's just to to be able to go ahead and bring. It sounds cheesy to be able to go ahead and bring a, a smile to somebody's face to, for them to be able to take a look at that. And it's just like you know, it's very. Do you have plans for your series of images once you're uh, once you've finished? Uh, I'm hoping to collect millions of dollars. generally um, Disney will probably say no to that. Um, I don't know. I've had so many people present ideas to me of what I should do. Um, people wanting it to end up in a book form, and people wanting to to end up as a slideshow online. There's there's definitely some possibilities. I, I just. Not sure where to take it to just yet.
2: If nothing else, you should use it as a portfolio and try and get a job on the next movies in some way. <laughs> That's sort of my goal with what I, everything I've been doing. I mean, now there's suddenly a chance that I could work on a Star Wars movie in some fashion or another, and that really excites me.
3: I'm not sure how, but I'm going
0: to try and figure out how. My, uh, my brother is a uh, screenwriter in, uh, in Hollywood, and uh, he actually had, he's done some work for some of the sci-fi genre shows. and. He had an opportunity to go, uh, to go meet with Rick McCullen, uh, for the live action Star Wars series. Oh, cool. And, uh, there wasn't too much fault. that. My brother, I remember he was rushing. He was emailing me, going to have any of the Clone Wars movies. I need to leave <laughs> caught up. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting for him. I think it was, uh, I think one year he, uh, the one year right after it, he got a, uh, Christmas card from uh, Rick McCullin. Oh, cool. Uh, like, oh, the Star Wars knows I exist. You know, There's always that beautiful moment. Nothing came of it, but, uh, but neither has the live action television series. So.
2: True, true. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to go to Skywalker Ranch a few times, uh, because it being an actual ranch, they have sheep and Cows and horses and things, and I grew up with my mom as a sheep shearer and my dad as a horseshoer, and so I've been able to go to the ranch a few times and help mom shear the couple of sheep that are there, and then get tours of the facilities and have lunch there and uh, and get to hang out. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping to somehow you work that into my portfolio or my resume. Yeah. <laughs> If they need any sheep shears on set, you're there. Something. I mean, I, I don't know how to shear sheep, but I can, I, I've seen it done enough times. I can probably fake it, but we used to get Christmas cards from Lucasfilm or from Skywalker Ranch every year. Um, it was pretty cool. You know, you'd get those, those Ralph McQuarrie cards that they would do and such.
0: Oh yeah. I've got, uh, I'm following some of my Instagram who's trying to repost some of those, uh, yeah, Jablets. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm just loving the flashbacks that I, I used to have. Some what I got the Return of the Jedi uh, prints, and uh, remember they were just lining my bedroom like uh, like an art museum, and uh, I realized I was never going to get a girlfriend if I left these off. <laughs> <laughs> you know what,
2: Star Wars is cool enough these days that 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 that's kind of changing.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, well, you know, Boba Fetish does not make the fan girl look bad.
2: No, no, not at all. Yeah, I actually uh, I got those prints. I've been trying to find them the last day or two because I finally got the General McQuarrie figure, uh, the Hoth General. To give you guys a little inside scoop, the one one scene I want to get set up is to find, make him a little mini paintbrush and have him on a scaffolding painting one of those.
0: Hey, I, I was in Toys R Us the other day. I think I saw the uh, the WWE figures are now going to three three-quarter inch.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> The only reason that excites me is because then you can get set pieces that will fit the scale of action figure of our
0: Star Wars figures. Exactly. That's where I look at that. I'm like, all right, here's a, here's a whole new avenue to find some different things. So, yeah.
2: Now I've got a, I've got a couple of, uh, military bases that, uh, that were built for these really cheesy Toys R Us line of, of action figures, these military action figures. And so they would sell these sets really cheap. I would just. Give the action figures away to my nephews and keep the play sets And God, they make great outposts for stormtroopers and things.
0: I, however, got uh, stepdaughters with poly Pockets around here, and able to find the occasional almost correctly sized uh-huh. to shoot here and there. But uh huh, less a little less, uh, less high tech, I would say.
2: Oh, that yeah, but that adds a fun charm to it okay guys well we're we're coming up on two hours here uh we've uh we've, i'm gonna have to i'm gonna get in trouble for doing you know, these renegade podcasts they always end up running about two hours but they honestly i could sit here and talk to you guys for two more hours
0: i know i'm in trouble the wife came and closed the door with a uh without making eye contact yeah <laughs> so let's wrap it up here real quick and uh
2: so well, we can find both of you guys on Instagram. We've got Jason. We've got you at Vintage Star Wars on Instagram, and Bobby. We've got you at Bobby Sussman. That's S U uh, S S M A N. You've also got you've got a link
0: to your Facebook on there, don't you? That's right. Over at uh, Facebook.com/slash Bobby's Toy Shelf. No apostrophe. Okay.
2: And yeah. uh, Jason, we can find you at what Trench Run Rebels.blogspot.com.
0: Correct. Yep. Yeah, you can uh, find me com. trenchrunrebels.blogspot.com. Uh, if you can't remember, there is a link on my Instagram profile. Yeah.
2: And as always, I'm going to put all these links in the, in the show notes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And, uh, I'm going to leave you guys with John Bon Jovi's very first recording episode tonight. And, uh, that's, uh, him singing R2D2. We wish you a Merry Christmas. So happy holidays, everybody. And may
0: the force be with you. Yeah! where are you?
3: Oh, there you are. Well, if you come over here, you'll find a wonderful surprise. You'll have to plug into the central computer to hear what it is. That's right. No, it's not a phase vector. It's your Christmas present. (coughs) the quaver converter isn't complete yet. It isn't finished. Lock in your circuits again quickly.
0: season anyway is also brought to you by brian's toys.com the world's largest star wars store at flyguy.net to check out to let them know where you head of the reference don't forget to check out com, marvel
3: gi joe star wars and more
1: uh everything's under control situation normal We're all fine here. now thank you. How are you? Who is this? What's your operating number? We're in conversation anyway.